Hi, I'm Lloyd. And I'm Ash. Welcome to the Creator Hub for the Culture. Every week, we share content to help you level up on your journey as a creator. Ash, how are you? I'm good. We're in this really cool studio for the first time in Inglewood. Inglewood? This is very, very cool. <laughs> this is like high tech, fancy. I don't, I feel special in here. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just feel like it's a recurring theme for us lately yeah. that we're kind of a big Leveling deal. Up. We're and people important. are very supportive. People kept saying we deserve, like we deserve it. Like we, I we, know. I felt even more special seeing people's comments. Yes, it was, it was really sweet. You guys are sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just for everyone to know, we're in a, you know, since we've moved to LA, we've been trying out a bunch of different studios. Today we're in a studio called X Tribe. It's based out of Englewood, and it is just like gorgeous. I always feel kind of upset because I feel like podcast studios do a really good job with audio, but then the video kind of looks a little crappy. And I feel like on the light because of the lighting. Because of the lighting, yes. Um, it's very hard to have really good lighting, and so I mean, all of the studios we've been checking out so far are like amazing. Mm -hmm. This is like another one to add to your list if you're in Englewood. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. We're gonna talk about um. Twitter, we're going to talk about TikTok, and we're going to talk about Meta, and I'm going to tell you how I get got my first sponsor with zero podcast downloads. Um, but before we do that, I think it's only fair that we give people an update on how our hike went this uh, weekend at Runyon Canyon. I feel like people are going to get sick of us talking about this hike. Yeah. But <laughs> I honestly, until I do it, and until it becomes like a regular occurrence in my life, then I'll stop talking about it. For now, it still feels like every time I do it, I'm in shock. Right. Um, this time, I feel like this time was harder than it was for me last time. But I don't know why. I had some sinus stuff going on, so it was hard to breathe. So I'm sure that didn't help. But physically, I felt better as far as my calf muscles. Because the first few times, my calf muscles felt like someone had poured gasoline and set them on fire. Like, yeah. no joke. But the only thing that felt like, okay, I am just, my heart, y'all. My heart felt like it was going to explode out of my chest. Do you feel like, though, the last time we went, not this most recent weekend, but the time before that, I felt like we spent the whole day before it just, like, mentally preparing. And I, I think this time we just thought, like, oh, I mean, we do this. Right. Yeah, we thought we were going to just eat, yeah. but... No, but we did make it to the top again. So that was fun. That was great. We, But also I did notice we did beat our time. Like our time gets yeah. better every single Saturday. So definitely making progress. And I also did push myself harder this time with like normally we take way more breaks than we did this past time. So I think that was a part of it too. I was just pushing myself more. But what what did you think? Yeah, I felt like the the it took us. It, it, I was surprised that we got there with less time because it also felt harder to me. Yeah. But also, I feel like I'm adopting this mindset that like, oh, like this is what I do every Saturday morning. Yeah. I hike, and it's just like one those more people healthier now? habit that we can add <laughs> to our list. And so that felt very very cool. We've got some exciting things to talk about today. Um, we're gonna start off by talking about Twitter. So let's talk about The Purge. 
Um, Elon Musk has declared the platform is presently eliminating inactive accounts. So this is probably the best time for you to find that handle that you've always wanted that's been taken by someone that doesn't even post on the platform. Yes. This is the time to get that. If you're looking for a black girl bomb, black girl moves, black girl, you know, you know Any, all those handles, the ones who stay like yeah. you can never find them. But then when you look at look at them, they're like haven't posted since 2004 like this is your moment this is yeah. your mo okay to secure those handles so i'm honestly excited about this as well if you can't tell as someone who doesn't even have a twitter account y'all yeah and i you know i've always thought you would be on twitter because i feel like that <sighs> yeah. is like your subconscious persona i agree i don't know why i'm not on there i feel like i would get canceled and so I've stayed off of it because yeah. I'm not important yet. And there are places I want to be. So yeah. I don't want to like burn my career before it starts. Like once it starts and I'm popping, then I can burn it to the ground. But I want to get there first and like see what yeah. it's like. So I think that's why I've avoided Twitter for so many years, because if I really let people into the ethos and like the ecosystem of my mind, People would laugh, but I think I'd also get in trouble. Yeah, I think so too. I'd, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be the person coming at you. No, 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 no. That's not what you meant. That's not what you meant. She. You, you, that's just like it was just a joke. It's a joke. Relax. So, so instead, uh, yeah. we just push it all into the newsletter. So. No, we I'm well behaved on the newsletter too. Though. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I, I tiptoe on the line for sure with the newsletter. There are certain things I'm surprised you actually let me write. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah, um, I, I I think. This move by Twitter to do this is, it's not, it's kind of like unexpected a little. It's just like random. Like, I don't think anyone was anticipating it. But I think this could be good for a lot of people because there are like, when I first started on TikTok, that was like the very first thing I did. It was so early on the platform that I could actually get the handle I wanted. Yes. And that was beneficial so I can like brand myself as like Lloyd, not George, and be the same thing across all platforms. But before I had Lloyd, not George, I was actually the podcast guy. And the number of people that would just find me because they were typing in podcasts on the platform and just my profile happened to come up first, this could actually be very advantageous for a lot of people on the platform for like SEO reasons. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a question though about like, okay, maybe the person hasn't tweeted in a few years, but I'm just thinking of those like um, historic tweets that, have a lot of threads that people have followed and look at that some people still go back to this day and like yeah. comment on and things like that. I'm curious, is is there going to be any like archiving um, of that? I don't know. I kind of see Twitter as a database yeah. to an extent. So that would be the only red flag about this move to me. But yeah. I totally get the advantage of freeing up these really popular handles that may, you know, haven't been used in years and years. Yeah. And just to confirm what you're saying, because they're going to take people that, let's just say, haven't tweeted in X amount of time and make all of those accounts inactive, all of the tweets and information that was published by those people will now be inaccessible because they won't have any Twitter accounts. And so you're saying a lot of that information that could be helpful and still relevant, even though they stopped tweeting, would essentially just be gone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or that's what it seems like. I think people are, I saw a few people asking about that, um, asking Elon about it on Twitter. So, yes, I'm one of those people who doesn't have a Twitter account, but I go onto Twitter and yeah. follow th 
threats and stuff um, until the box pops up and says, get off unless you're going to create right. an account. Um, but yeah, so I saw a lot of people asking um, Elon that. So I'm curious to see if they're going to be thinking about how to, what to do with that. Yeah, 1000%. Um, and I think uh, the last thing I'll say about this is I think this creates an interesting opportunity for a lot of creators because on one hand, I think that keeping that historical information on there is important. But on another side, I get what they're trying to do, which is incentivize people to be like posting tweets and be on the platform. Yeah. And so I also kind of feel like if you're a creator like myself that hasn't gotten on Twitter because I kind of feel like I missed the boat, this is like a great time to get on there because a large boat of information is no, about to be no longer available and they need more voices and what a great time to like fit in. Yeah, and if anything else, everyone's gonna be on blue sky soon enough. So um, as people leave Twitter, potentially there's more room for you to be that voice um, in the space as well, kind of as an authority figure. 1000%. And if you're listening to this and wondering what the heck Blue Sky is, <laughs> it's basically an alternative to Twitter. And a lot, it's actually founded by Jack Dorsey, the original founder of Twitter. And a lot of people have been leaving Twitter to go to Blue Sky. It's only invite only at the moment. And so a lot of people have not been invited. There's actually an interesting article I came across on LinkedIn. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes that was just talking about the fact that a lot of black creators are not talking about Blue Sky, primarily because a lot of black creators just haven't been invited by nature of it being like referral or invite only. And so mm. just what that will mean for the platform in terms of diversity of the platform, it's an interesting thought. I mean, the thought is that it's gonna be whack if there are no, I mean, think about Twitter. Yeah. Like black people rule Twitter. Yeah. And literally make, make it what it is. So yeah. yeah. Hopefully they figure that out. We're not on there, of course, because we're black. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we haven't been invited yet. Yeah, soon enough, I will. I, I, someone, I, gosh, were you the one, someone sent me, oh, someone emailed me, um, my good friend Chris, and he was just saying that, like, he's been trying a few different approaches to get invited that I'm not going to share on this podcast because I want to try them first. <laughs> and then I will share them Gatekeeper! if they were. Uh, so, yeah, you caught me. Um, but... Uh, that's it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I think that's kind of a smart move on Elon Musk's part just to get more people on the platform. The second thing we want to talk about today is TikTok, which is, you know, representing big time for Small Business Month. Um, basically, TikTok has launched workshops for small business owners for Small Business Month to help small business owners improve their pro promotional strategies on the platform, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, the workshops will focus on using TikTok ads and influencer marketing to reach targeted audience. And so I think there's so many different ways that like small business owners could use help. I think TikTok stepping up to do this is really cool. Yeah, so apparently it's gonna be every Wednesday for the month of April. Um, and you can register online to attend the um, the webinar. So it could be interesting. I'm. It's funny because it feels like with this move, they're really working hard to try to solidify themselves as like uh, an integral part to the U.S. economy. Yeah. And, you know, they're working with influencers and content creators and the small businesses. And it's I think they're really trying to push how they are like interwoven into this fabric so that they don't get banned. Yeah, times <laughs> is hard now. Now you need us. Right. And I feel like it's so funny because I feel like maybe two years ago, TikTok was just like, in, it was just like 
unstoppable. It was like this large force that everyone was trying to get on. Business was booming, growing more than life. And now it's kind of like I, you know, like their CEO is posting, they're doing more like grassroots campaigns. And so it's, I think hopefully like the, the takeaway from this is that there's a play for smaller creators, for creators that like need a hand from TikTok. Hopefully this manifests in like more creator programs. I was actually just chatting with a guy like over coffee today that is a, they're not like a super big creator, but some of their videos, I'd say like four to five of their videos hit over like a million views per month and mm-hmm. TikTok has a new fund for them. And so they've actually been getting paid pretty well for each of their videos. And so oh, this is for like longer form creators. These these creators are podcasters. And so all of their videos that are over a minute, but under three minutes, they get paid pretty well for that content. So they're in some program that I'm actually not familiar with. Oh, nice. Um, well, speaking of money, I know a par- as a part of this Small Business Month, TikTok also pledged um, $2 million in funding um, to support Black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. And so I think a million is going to the Hispanic Heritage Fund and the other million is going to Black Girl Ventures. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think like I'm so glad you brought that up because I think in some ways it's not just enough that like TikTok is giving out this money to small businesses. I think being strategic and knowing that like we really need to make sure that all parties get this money, black creators, Hispanic creators, um, all creators across the board and being intentional and knowing that we're not going to just throw this into the ether because by that nature, there'll be, you know, uh, minority creators will have a disadvantage. So I think it's really cool how they're going about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, the third thing we want to talk about today is uh, Meta, um, and it's revamped its ads on Reels monetization, which means that essentially they'll be able to pay out creators that create content on Meta. Now, this is very different to the content, like the video I made a few weeks ago, basically saying that like Meta was stopping all of their like yes. Reels payouts, which people were like outraged about. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised about this move to see that they're like doing something about it. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I think they're tweaking it too. And it, I think it's kind of a smart move to tweak it bec- um, towards the payouts being based on how long a viewer watches the video. So now it's more performance based, um, and that and that essence as well, and not just about someone clicking on your video. So that could be interesting. Yeah, that is really cool. And when I posted that video saying that Meta was stopping um, their like Reels payouts, a lot of creators were just saying like, not surprised, not surprised, not surprised. And so I think in some ways we've kind of given up hope that Meta is going to do the right thing. And so to see them make this change and as fast as they did, I think is kind of cool to see and very encouraging and I think goes a little way in like bridging the gap. Um, Payouts, as you just mentioned, will now be based on how long viewers watch the videos, which I think Mm -hmm. has been something that's challenging when it comes to reels. It's just like with a YouTube video, you can put like ads a few places. So like, yeah, the creator should get paid a percentage of those ads. But with reels, it's kind of hard to do that if like, because the videos are so short. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Similar to TikTok's issue. Yeah, 1000%. Um, This is really cool. I am very like optimistic that Meta is going to continue to do the right thing. I, as someone like, I'd say like Instagram is now my primary platform. I haven't necessarily ever thought about the fact that like I might get paid money from Meta because I think my views are so low. And so like my focus has been on the advertiser side. But I think seeing them like put this effort is like, it's not discouraging and it is encouraging. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the last thing we want to talk about today is I want to share a story with you and I want to share okay. something that 
happened to me that I maybe didn't even realize was special until I started sharing it with like other people. Um, I started my podcast, in, my first podcast in 2018. Born Made. Born Made. And it was essentially centered around telling the stories of like immigrant innovators in America. And mm -hmm. uh, I started this podcast just for like people listening because I heard a statistic and the statistic was out of all the companies valued at a billion dollars or more, each of them have at least one immigrant, 50% of them have at least one immigrant founder and that just like blew my mind that like yeah. there were lots of unicorn startups that were founded by immigrants just like me. And even though I didn't know them, it let me know that they were out there. And so I decided to start a podcast just to like bring visibility to these people. And so it took me like a, a year just mulling over the idea and, and being scared to start it. But once I started it, one of the first things I did was start reaching out to brands that were in that like niche or industry. So I was reaching out to other organizations that helped like immigrants, um, either because they were like in, in an advocacy capacity or, you know, governments um, or even just organizations that valued diversity. Mm -hmm. And so I just started like cold emailing a bunch of different organizations saying like, hey, my name is Lloyd. I'm a new podcaster. I have like and I, I recorded all of like my, my season. So I had a total of eight episodes and I was basically emailing all of these companies and saying like, hey, I have eight episodes. I'm going to release this season and I would love for you to sponsor it. I would love for you to pay and I'll include you in all eight episodes, not just one. Yeah. And I was very. And the interviews were really great. And yeah. they were all interview based. So interviewing different immigrant business owners. You had like a professional soccer player. Yeah. All these different really cool founders. Yeah. And a lot of them were like, um, we had like a rapper at one time. And that's yeah. part of what I was like using as leverage because like the podcast hadn't launched. And so part of what I was saying was like, hey, I'm reaching out to you in hopes that you could sponsor this episode, uh, this podcast. Uh, and I know I don't have any downloads, but if you look at the eight people I have, all of them have a combined reach on social media of two million followers or more. And so if they reshare re this on their platforms, I, I mean, who knows how many people could see this. And so that's like just the first thing I want to highlight is, is that like you don't always need to be the per you don't you don't need to be your own portfolio. You can lean on like your guests. You can yes. even even if I didn't have those like guests on my podcast, I would have just said that the immigrant industry is valued at X million dollars. It has X million people. And so this is a big space for you to be sponsoring. And so just figuring out what makes you unique and stand out and doubling down on that. But right. Long story short, I reached out to all these brands and I'm like, hey, will you sponsor this season? And three brands ended up saying yes. And I'm using the brand, the word like brands loosely because like yeah. some of them are like organizations. organizations. So three of them end up saying like, yes. The first is an organization called like the American Jewish Association. I think that's it. Um, and basically they're an advocacy organization for Jewish members, but they, ha they value diversity. And so they sponsored. And then the second sponsor was an organization called Forward. And uh, they are like an immigrant advocacy organization. They sponsored. Mm -hmm. And then the third organization was the city of Atlanta, which was like a huge win. Like that was like just putting their logo on my stuff made a huge difference. Yeah. And so you have to like now see things like from my perspective, I'm a podcaster with no downloads. <laughs> Between those three sponsors, I made a total of like $3,000. And the city of Atlanta was like, hey, we don't have any like budget, like we can't like financially sponsor you. But what we will do is take every episode you release and we'll share it out with like our email list. And that was like 
super dope. That was like huge. That helps yeah. me a lot. And so I just wanted to like share that story to encourage people so that they know that like you don't need to be a big podcaster to get like brands to work with you. Right. What would you say is like the biggest lesson you learned though from that experience and just reaching out cold? Yeah, I think the the one of the things that caught me off guard is when I was reaching out to uh, the organization Ford. One of the things they kept saying is I kept feeling feeling like I had to like sell them or I had to say like look at like these big guests I have coming on, and they didn't really care about that. Like I think they yeah. would have worked with me if I was just like myself and I was just pitching an idea and I had no guests. And so I think this idea that like the idea and you may be enough. I love that. Yeah, it's like you don't have to like oversell. Love that. I'm I'm big on that. So many of you probably don't even know this, but my background is sales. I work for different tech companies um, out of the whole Silicon Valley space. But um, that was like one of the biggest things that I learned. And I still use those principles and skills to this day of like knowing your worth and not feeling the need to like oversell yourself or convince anyone that you're worth it. You know, you just put it out there. Um, straight up being honest having integrity yeah and um allow allow your work to speak for itself and there's something about when someone's selling you but they're not desperate yeah it's something about it that makes you want it more because you're like this guy doesn't even care if i do it or not like they must be pretty good they must be we could be starving (laughs) (laughs) y'all fake it till you make it (laughs) gotta keep the uh i was having uh breakfast or lunch with a friend yesterday um and he was just telling me that, like, you know, he was pitching a deal and he went in knowing that, like, he, he was going to, like, the price he was quoting them was a lesser amount than what they ended up offering him. And what they ended up offering him was almost like 5X what he had in his mind. So in this mind, in this deal, they're like, how does X sound? And it's significantly bigger than what he expects. But he's, like, playing it cool. Like, ah, oh, you know, I mean, that I think that could maybe work. Let me chat with, like, my partners or whatever. <laughs> but inside, he's like, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's happening. Kinda, yeah, freaking out about it. And so I 1000% agree. And I just feel like, you know, one of the things um, I learned so many things from that process. But one of the things that stood out is just sort of like when we think about getting sponsors for our podcast or our content, I think we dream like big, like we want to work with Instagram, we want to work with Spotify, mm-hmm. Nike, all these amazing companies. Yeah. And we overlook the people that really don't care about our downloads. We overlook the people that would just, they just like us and that's what they're investing in. And so it's like your local barber, if you have like a local podcast, smaller brands, hairstylists, right? Maybe even like, like, you know, restaurant owners, digital creators that are smaller. There's a lot of smaller businesses that would love to invest in your podcast, but those are the people we often overlook. Yeah, and just organizations in general. Like two of the yeah. three that you mentioned weren't even companies. They were organizations. Um, a lot of these organizations, they get grants, they get funding, and they have to spend it all. Yeah. Um, so you'd be surprised if you just really focus on what your niche is. Um, because, of course, it does, it, it does help when your ads are geared towards things that um, connect with your audience and your podcast itself. I mean, of course, are you going to have the Casper ad (laughs) on your, I mean, if they're going to pay, they're going to pay, but it is nice when you do have those ads that are more, um, tailored to what you're talking about, tailored to, to your, your audience and the work that, 
that you do. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. Don't overlook those local organizations um, and businesses and companies that might actually love to work with you. And again, like Lloyd said, not ask you about your subscriber count. Um, Lloyd recently got an email from a company yeah. that was wanting to work with him and he sent, they asked for his rate sheet. He sent his rates based on what they wanted. They replied back with like this low ball number and they Ultra did it. Low ball. It was so low ball y'all. And it was like, well, based on your followers and views, we divided this number and brought your, your, this each followers <laughs> worth 0.25 cents. Right. And so if we do this, I mean, they really did some unnecessary math to try to justify lowballing him. Um, so it's like, sometimes it's better to go with companies that aren't even, you know, deep widely known in the field you know yeah 1000 percent. and you know i think a lot of people listening to this may say you know what that's like great advice i maybe i should start reaching out to brands in my niche and organizations that are smaller um but they may not know like specifically like literally how and i find myself kind of in the same boat i'm not like a salesperson, and i think those are the areas in which i feel like you help me the most just kind of based on your background what is like an easy way for people to start what's something tangible they can do today to start reaching out to brands? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I would do it, like I said, just based on your niche. So if your niche is health and beauty and wellness, um, I'm going to be looking at my local juice shops uh, and smoothie bars. I'm going to be looking at my local um, makeup and beauty and brow places. Um, I'm going to be looking at um, organizations. Um, I know in Atlanta we had similar organization called like Dress for Success. Yeah. Um, organizations that help men and women um, look their best, you know, who may be unhoused and they're getting back into the job market and they want to look their best um, for their job interviews. Different organizations like that. They may have funding and they may want to get the word out more about their services and offerings to the community. So yeah, it's don't overcomplicate it. I would just say focus on whatever your niche is and start thinking about businesses and organizations in the area who service um, to that specific community and population based on your audience and the work that you do and the, the topics that you enjoy talking about on your pod. Um, and those would be the, a great place to start. And if they all say no, some of them may also advise you, hey, we're not interested in this, but actually this place might be or this yeah. organization might be. Uh, most people generally want to help. Yeah, 1000%. And if I had to break down what we're saying into three steps, I think like the first step would be exactly what you just said, which is just like, you need to be in the know of what's happening in your space and in your industry. And so there's uh, every industry has like a ton of newsletters that ultra focus on just that industry, you need to be subscribed to those so that you are aware of when people get grants, or you are aware yeah. when people get opportunities. So that would be the first step. The second step, I think, would be just using like ChatGP2T to create your template, which is something we do all the time. Yeah. Write me a template to reach out to sponsors about ABCD, and there you go. Um, and then the third step is I just th think like putting like the reps in and just like doing yes. it consistently. And I think if you do it consistently, the goal is not that like every person you email is going to say yes, right. but I think it's more so just that like opportunities will come out of that, right? Even if they say no, they may say, but you know, follow up with us next year or let me connect you with this person right. and it's almost just like one of those things where it's like going to the gym where like in the moment every day it doesn't feel like you're making a difference but one day you look up and you're like oh my gosh like I'm, I'm getting opportunities and so consistency matters and just putting in the rep matters but I do agree do not overcomplicate this yeah for sure
Um, well, that is uh, all we have today. I hope you take that advice and I hope you do it. I also hope you find your Twitter handle because I want you to win on Twitter, uh, even if we can't win with you. <laughs> um, if you are listening to this for the first time, we really appreciate it. Every single Monday, we share tips for aspiring creators. If you are a regular here on the podcast, our big ask is that you leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. We would really, really appreciate it. Yes. That helps us know how we are doing. And, and share it. Yeah, and it helps more people find this episode. So please also share this episode. We really appreciate it. Have an awesome week. Peace. Bye.